This podcast is produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Twice a week, I try to bring you interviews with interesting people who are doing cool things in their business, who will share with you their experiences, but then also what those experiences mean to you and tips on how you can either become an entrepreneur or be a better entrepreneur. And today, we have a special guest. We have Susan Roan. And if you have ever walked into a gathering with a room full of strangers, or heck, even people you know, your colleagues, at a business or a social event, have you ever felt uncomfortable? Well, if so, you're not alone. And that's why Susan's first book, the classic bestseller, How to Work a Room, has sold over one million copies That is one million copies in over 13 countries. So she's an author, she's a speaker, and she shares her message of connection and communication with audiences worldwide. And now she is here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Susan, welcome to the show. Well, I thought it was cool entrepreneurs, and of course I'd want to be here. (laughs) No, it's cool things entrepreneurs do. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it now. (laughs) Some of them are cool. Some, the jury's still out, I think. Okay. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your business? What do you do? Well, you know, first of all, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I was a school teacher in San Francisco, laid off 1,200 teachers. And to help my colleagues, I designed a career change workshop for teachers, ended up with 100 people on a waiting list. And my femtor, she said she couldn't be a mentor, said, (laughs) my dear girl, you have 100 people on on a waiting list. You have a business. Come with me Monday night to hear this fabulous speaker, Patricia Fripp. Ah, yes, the legendary. I'm trying, to, legendary. Get her on, I'm trying to get her on the show. And it was Women Entrepreneurs was the group, and I went there. I still have the notes these many years later, and I joined. So what we want to be sure to do is have people around us as an entrepreneur who support that. And I, I never even thought of it until someone said it to me. So that started my journey, and it's been quite an interesting journey and it started with career change workshops for teachers where I did them at universities and colleges and for companies and for teachers and guess what teachers don't really pay for things so I went well I don't think that's my market so part (laughs) of entrepreneurship is figuring out who needs what you have etc so it's been an interesting odyssey but I will say that with women entrepreneurs and then I joined our San Francisco chamber and was part of the small business marketing group. That's where I learned how to be in business. The last couple of episodes have all been about sort of reinventing and relaunching yourself over 40, over 50, or beyond, or or I guess even before. And yes. so I guess you did a full reinvention. I really did. And it was, again, accidental. But I'm reading a book now, and I just want to say this. I'm loving the book, but I, what caught me was the title. Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. Because saying yes to opportunities, being in rooms where we get to meet people that we don't already know gives us more opportunities to learn of new things. And saying yes is the key to the kingdom. 
I said yes to something in Glenoma, got sick to my stomach. I was on a radio show talking about career change workshops for teachers, happened to be the interviewer's mother, was a teacher I had substituted for, so we clicked. And someone called me two days later, could we do a local career series for the San Francisco Examiner back when it was a Hearst paper? Honestly, Tom, I said yes and went, what did I say yesterday? I was nauseous. (laughs) Hey, really quick, how many years ago was that? How long ago was that? That was 1980, I think it was 1982. One or two. No, no, it, was, it had to be 1980. It was 1980. So what's interesting about that is this topic of reinvention and sort of career change and starting fresh and, and doing new things. It seems to be like a hot topic now, but, but you were teaching this in the 80s. I know. And that's what's so hysterical. What we've done is we've reinvented the term for career change because now we call it reinvention. <laughs> we reinvented but reinvention. We, we did, but... It's been going on for years. It's when people say to me things like, well, networking's new. I go, really? How about the opening line to my book, Secrets of Savvy Networking? It's this. Oh, d- can you recommend an an in, perhaps with a manger? Come on now. <laughs> people have been doing this for in memorial. In memori- I mean, it's, well, it's something that's not new, but it's us now, so we think it's terribly important and different, and we put new names or we reinvent an old name for a new thing. Career change, your parents did it. Your grandparents didn't do it so often because they were really singularly tasked. But this has been around really in the forefront literally the last 40 years. Well, you bring up an interesting thing when you bring up the topic of networking because, you know, that's a topic that I speak on. And, and when I'm, even when I'm the master of ceremonies, my whole conference catalyst program is sort of built around getting people to connect. And 10 years ago when I decided I wanted to explore this as sort of a, a career to teach people on how to connect better, people told me, oh, you know, that's a fluffy topic. Nobody cares about networking. It doesn't really matter in real business. <laughs> yeah. So last week I was twice, I was once the MC for 1600 uh, engineers in the tech business and all of them were eating it up. They were so excited by the topic. And the following week I had 150 CEOs of tech companies, all of which were saying, yes, this is so important. And yet people 10 years ago were like, oh, it's an overdone topic. It's fluffy. It doesn't matter. And now all of a sudden it's the hot topic. Well, it's interesting. Having written the Secrets of Savvy Networking at, published in 1993, Here's the whole thing. Nothing's changed. People poo-poo the topic. And I have to tell you, there are people still being dismissive of the topic. I think I just sent out a tweet, which is, those of you who are dismissive of the topic of networking, stop it immediately. (laughs) Because it's the essence of life. Uh, One of the other tenets I think I had in the book was, if your idea of networking is that it's a business style you're wrong. It's a lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. I tell people all the time that networking isn't a verb. You don't go networking. It's a lifestyle. You, you know, it's just part of who you are if you're going to do it right. But it is interesting because these CEOs who, and, and business leaders and entrepreneurs that I interview on the show, which is now over 70 interviews, I'll tell you when I ask people, you know, what tips do you have? It always comes back around to people are going to do business with people who they know, they like, and they trust. And you can say that's a cliche, but it's how humans operate. So, you know, people can poo-poo it all day long, but the successful people are embracing it. Right. I live near the Silicon Valley. And let me tell you, for those of you that think they're online all the time, and they are, they don't carry business cards, they all have Apple Watches, they think they're Dick Tracy, all of that is true. But there is no community more 
um, aligned with the concept of face-to-face networking, that they all want to meet the VCs. In fact, there was just an article that I put out on Twitter that the VCs say, you got to network. You meet someone who knows someone who knows someone, meet them face-to-face. There's even one hotel bar where they all go on Thursday night. So really, if you're poo-pooing networking, um, I would say do 180 and embrace it. Because the best people who do it, honestly, Tom, the people who I think are the two best that I know, they don't even call it that. They call it, I'm living my life. Well, and, you know, you bring up the Silicon Valley. I was recently, uh, last year, out near Stanford, and I was roaming around sort of downtown Palo Alto, and I went into a paper, like a stationery store that was booming. And it was like, wow, people say, you know, that maybe that maybe would be a dying business. And I got to meet the woman who's run the store for years, and we got talking about the power of the handwritten note and thank you notes, and she said... I won't tell you who because they're my clients. She goes, but every venture capitalist you've ever read about in the Silicon Valley news is a client here. And they all get uh, stationery with their name on it for handwritten notes. And they reorder it one and two and four times a year, which means they're using it. And she said, so don't kid yourself that everybody's sending emails. She goes, because the billionaires of the Valley are all ordering paper for handwritten notes absolutely when i this is funny not in how to work room but in secrets of savvy networking i being the former teacher who taught my students in language arts how to write friendly notes and business notes i put an example of a good thank you note and a tepid one (laughs) and there was one of the clients that i spoke to was a vice president of one of the big you know uh, wall street journal firms and he said to me you know, I was in gifted classes, and they never taught us how to write thank you notes. So I just copy yours from the book. <laughs> but it's, it's, and for people who think it's only women who write notes, I have, in fact, almost every thank you note handwritten I keep because I read them another time. But I have thank you notes from many savvy, smart men who know it's about business, but I'm going to say something else who listened to their mothers and fathers who said, you have to write a thank you note to grandma for your Christmas gift. Oh, absolutely. My grandmother would not send like the $5 the following year if you hadn't sent her a thank you note. And you'd be like, grandma forgot. And mom would be like, oh no, you know, you can still send her a thank you note for last year to get this year's $5. And my mother's line was, there is no statute of limitations on gratitude. But if you oh, that's, that's a great line. But if you don't show gratitude, you may not get a present next time. Well, there's something about appreciation. In fact, my first rule that I always say is that the savvy networkers acknowledge. They acknowledge many things, not just the gifts of money and stuff, but time, effort, interest, support. If you don't acknowledge it, and and sometimes it's acknowledging one-to-one, but sometimes acknowledging what someone has done and being grateful for and appreciative in front of other people is a great gift. Yep, and you can't do it in a text. Sending someone a text that says THX for thanks, you know, just doesn't have that same cachet. I know, but here's what one of my friends said to me over dinner. I mean, she's someone, we both got our master's together at San Francisco State, and she looked at me and said, Given technology, I've had to lower my standards. (laughs) And that's where we want to say to people, as an entrepreneur, if everyone's lowering their standards and sending the quick text. You know what I got one year for my birthday for my brother? H-B-T-Y. Happy birthday to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got a thank you note, well, a thank you text from someone I helped find a job that was THX for the number, not the word, J-O-B-R-E-F. I, like, were we saving characters in our text that day? We couldn't even go out all the way no, for thanks for the job sh- reference? What we're doing is we're showing we have no character <laughs> because in that program I was doing in Silicon Valley, one woman raised her hand and said, well, so-and-so gave me a reference and I got the job. And I just said, oh, and what gift did you give the person? And she said to me in front of these people, I don't need you to tell me that I needed to send a gift. I found out later she sent nothing. Of course. Someone got you a job. I'm originally from Chicago. So a lot of my concept of networking has been informed by the Mayor Daly, the first fiefdom. (laughs) But if you don't acknowledge appropriately and commensurate for whatever it is that you received, we used to say we got some cement boots and a Chicago River for you. (laughs) But, But the reality is when you're an entrepreneur, how you inspire people to continue to support you, your business, your practice, is by acknowledging what they've done. Also, the other one is you owe them. If someone does you a favor, you owe them. Do you want to wait till they ask you for it? No. Be on your toes. Keep yourself informed. Keep your antenna up and offer something when you see it's the right fit, even if you haven't been asked to repay the favor. So, Susan, you've been doing this for a long time. What do you absolutely love about the life of being an entrepreneur? Well, to be able to talk to you in the middle of the day (laughs) and have a manicure in the middle of the day. You own your time, and in a way, everybody owns your time but you. So I think it's having my own schedule for whatever that is. Um, As an entrepreneur, I can show up when it's important for someone by just doing my work at a different time. Um, The other one is, I think, I used to think of myself as not being a risk taker until my accountant said to me one day, you live without a safety net. I admire you. So that, because of that, I never felt compelled to go um, rappelling or bungee jumping because I'm already (laughs) taking a risk. (laughs) So, so we know what you love. Is there anything you don't love? Are there ever those days where you wake up and say, I could be back being a teacher. Um, yeah, because if you, especially the day I wake up and don't feel well, because in the old days you had a sick day and you still got paid. <laughs> when you're sick as an entrepreneur, nobody's giving you time off with full, you know, full payment. So that's one thing. The other thing I don't like is paperwork. Um, you know, I have I, I hired a bookkeeper because the thing is an entrepreneur. You have to know what you do well, know what. You could do if you killed yourself, but what a waste of your time from what you should be doing. So I've always hired a bookkeeper. That's not my skill. Um, I don't ever say, oh, come on over. I'm having 20 people for dinner. I have, would have to think to shoot myself first because that puts, if I have two people for dinner, I'm nervous. If I got out on a stage and I've spoken to 3,000 people, I'm calm. Don't do what you get a stomach ache thinking about doing. <laughs> Hire that out. That's, I think, an important lesson for entrepreneurs. But I don't like the paperwork, and I don't like the follow-up. And I tell people I'm not a good negotiator because I think a lot of it is a haggling that a lot of people I know who think they're good at enjoy that. Um, I, I go the other way. A friend of mine gave me a quote for updating my video, and as we worked on it, I realized she put in a lot more time than she billed me for, and I called her back, and I said, 
we need to revisit this. Oh, okay. And I said, you undercharged me. What would you think now? It was, And she, oh my gosh, she was so relieved. So I'm the reverse negotiator. <laughs> hey, I'm going to ask you in just a second what advice you have for people who, who want to transform themselves and reinvent. But first, I've got to thank the show sponsor. And this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Susan Roan. If you want to find out more about Podfly, they actually have an offer for my listeners at podfly.net slash cool things, because we're here on cool things entrepreneurs do. So what advice do you have, Susan, for people who want to do their own thing, transform, become an entrepreneur? First of all, sit down with paper and pencil, what you like doing, what you do well, what you don't like doing, and get that into perspective for yourself. But what I've said to people in programs for years is go to people you know, like, and trust. And some people you work with who you might be a little bit more forthcoming in, shall we say, the uh, constructive feedback. And by the way, we never it's never constructive. But just say to them, I'd like to ask you a question. I'm doing a survey. What do you think is my best? What do I do best? I've had people do that, and they've been very surprised at what people have said to them they do well. They'd never even thought of because it was so natural to them. Sometimes what we do well, we take for granted. So get a good picture of yourself. What do you do well? What do you like doing? Now, if you do something well and you don't like doing it, don't build that into your business. (laughs) And I think the other one is go where there are other entrepreneurs, whether it's women in business or whether it's your community's small business arm of your chamber Be around people who are doing their own thing. That will inspire you, and you will learn. I had to learn how to be in business. I knew how to be a teacher. By the way, they're not so different. Someone once asked me, well, do you ever miss teaching? And I said, well, no, I'm still teaching, but the audience require larger chairs. (laughs) I love that, and I actually love that advice because I get calls all the time from people who want to become speakers, and I ask them, how many speaker friends do you have? And oftentimes, like, they'll be on the dead silence on the other line of the phone. Or if we're having coffee face-to-face, their heads will cock and they'll look at me like, huh? And they'll say, well, there's you. And oftentimes, these are people I just met. And I'm like, I don't mean to be rude, but, but we're not friends. I'm talking about, like, people who you know. Go get around people who are doing what it is you dream of doing. And you're just going to get inspired. You're going to learn. You're going to see different paths to get there. So I think your advice is spot on. Well, when I when we had our teacher layoffs and it was 1,200 of us, I, I'm a still read the paper in print person. In fact, I read three a day just in print. Could explain why I wash my hands 14 times a day. <laughs> um, but do you see what I just did? I threw in a little something that's personal that someone else could go, oh, I thought I was the only one that felt like Lady Macbeth. Sometimes when we talk to people, if we add in a little something about us or a little something personal or a little segue, we give people the opportunity to pick that up and respond, and then you're in a conversation. My whole life, I have realized, is about relationships, but if you're not in conversation with people online and face-to-face, you know what? 
you don't have relationships. So I'm a big believer if whatever you want to do as an entrepreneur, show up at the meeting of people doing what you're thinking of doing. Because nothing replaces face-to-face. Absolutely. So, Susan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business? Well, the coolest thing I'm doing is I'm an early adopter of social media. So I make sure that I spend time a day doing social media. So that's one of the coolest things I'm doing. And I also seek out new things that I need to know. So I've been one of the people that's been to TechCrunch Disrupt a couple of times and Mashable events and Twitter events. So I go where there are people that know things I don't know. And that's why I love Twitter. There are URLs to things that I don't know that I get to learn, and I don't have to be in college to do that. So that's one of the cool things. The other cool thing I think I do as an entrepreneur is I really like to support the next generation. At this point, I think that's the obligation, um, not just to pay it forward, but to pay it back to the next generation. And having been a former teacher, I'm just so happy I don't have to teach eight parts of speech and grade their papers. (laughs) So we could talk about you and your business and your books all day long, but I love to ask my guests, because I think great Great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I like to ask my guests, who's someone else out there who you see in maybe a totally different business than you're in? Maybe the same thing. Who's someone else you see who's doing something cool? Well, I mean, of course, it's always my friend Patricia Fripp because I love what she's doing. In 95, we both decided we're going to start coaching. She made me, and this is interesting, she said to me, Rowan, people are calling you to find out how to be published, and you know more about New York publishing than anyone. Stop having coffee with them. It's a business. She even said, the the cup of coffee they're paying for you isn't worth the time it takes for you to put on makeup to meet them. Great way to put that together. And because of her, I established Pick My Brain Consulting, and I own the domain name. But one of the cool things I believe I'm doing is putting myself out there in this world of podcasting. Not to run my own podcast, but to be a podcast guest. And I am really spending a lot of time not just promoting how to work a room, but doing it in different um, mediums. And I think the podcasting world is very exciting. And because of that, I'm look, Tom, I met you on the phone because we had a mutual friend, and here I am. So, well, absolutely. And in fact, some of my best guests have come through that mutual friend. John Corcoran has been absolutely amazing in introducing me to people who become great guests. And I always tell people that, you know, I teach the networking stuff. You teach the stuff. John might be the best practitioner I've ever run into for actually connecting people where it's like, pa-pam. I mean, he's, he said, you know, do you know Susan? And we're both members of the National Speakers Association. And, of course, you are, you know, the, the sort of the grand dame of the, of the networking space. You've been doing this so much longer than I have, and you know, and yet you're still so young. I don't know really how you do that. Yes, but, I'm glad you corrected yourself on that. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but but the fact is, I said, I, well, I know her by name, but we've never met. And I think it was like a day later, you and I were on the telephone because John just makes those things happen, like bang. And it is true when you talk about sort of all the people who are doing podcasts. You know, it. I, I don't think everyone has to go start their own podcast to get their message out there. I think what you're doing and, and the fact that you make yourself available and, and you were 
open to serendipitous. I had a, a podcast guest cancel for this week, and you were like, we'll make it work. And I think that putting yourself out there that way is a very valuable service uh, and smart because you know you certainly are widening your reach. You've been on some amazing shows. I keep seeing your name pop up. Yes, I've been on some amazing shows, but I also have you know been lucky enough to have amazing hosts. And by the way, some are not as experienced and energetic as you are. <laughs> but you know, I just figure I still have to give my best. Here's what I would say to our audience. I am an entrepreneur. In fact, next month I'm in my own speaking business. 35 years the Rowan Group has existed formally. Um, That's quite an accomplishment. Oh, it's huge. But I have never forgotten that I am still a person who believes in sharing, um, mentoring, teaching, so that every time I give an interview, and I was just on TV in Charlotte um, a couple weeks ago, I always treat the audiences, you're my students, what um, I supposed to do that you need so that you can walk into any room, go anywhere, feel comfortable, meet people, begin your networking. So I always see the world as my classroom, and it's my obligation to be a good teacher, good mentor, good instructor. Well, congratulations on 35 years in business. Now, any industry, if, you're, if your company has lasted 35 years, you're a rock star. But as a professional speaker and someone who addresses audiences, I will tell you, I've heard it said by a couple of, of people who you know are, are way farther down the path than I am, that speaking is the easiest business to get into and the hardest business to stay in. Because anyone can call themselves a speaker. I mean, if you look on people's LinkedIn uh, you know, self descriptions, you know, almost everybody who has ever, you know, stood up in a company meeting and said, Hey, Bob, I'll give you my opinion, lists themselves as a conference speaker or, a, you know, professional meeting speaker. And yet to actually have longevity and to be paid for 35 years, that is something to be very proud of. Thank you. And I would even add to that, I would have said it a little more different. I would say anyone who has ever opened up of their mouth and a word comes out thinks there's a speaker. <laughs> not true. I was, also, I was trying to be generous and at least... You are nicer at least, than I am. I was at least trying to make their, their seem like they thought there was an audience. But you're <laughs> I, right. But you know what? And here's what I would say to all of our listeners that I learned early on from National Speakers Association. And I was so glad that I joined. It is a calling. It is a craft. It is also a business. And you must treat it as a business. You must invest in it as a business. And you must run it as a business. So I think that this would be another piece of advice. Treat your entrepreneurial venture, whatever it is, with as much business sense and structure as possible. Don't treat it by as a Oh, an add-on. Treat it as a business, and other people will treat you as if you're in business. That's, that is wonderful advice. Hey, Susan, the other question I love to ask everybody, and you do so many things to help so many people and give back, but, but in addition to being observers, I think great entrepreneurs give back to the greater good. So I always like to ask people, what's your favorite thing you do to serve others or serve a cause? Well, I, I, I like to, and I hear this is kind of strange, I'm not afraid to write a check. If that's, you know, if that's what people need. But the other one is to um, support people who are also supporting other causes. And I, I like to go back, especially when it's the laid off people who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s, you know, through Experience Unlimited. I like to support people 
who have been forced out of their jobs like I was. So for me, that's a really important point because they can relate to me because I remember the teacher layoffs and having to go to unemployment. And if I can give them a couple of tips through how to work a room so they can perhaps broaden their skills and find out about jobs, that to me is really important. Also, uh, for me, supporting women entrepreneurs is really important. Well, you have been a delightful guest to have on the show. Susan Rowan, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and the mingling maven, thank you so much for being here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It's been a delight. <laughs> now, if somebody listened to this show and they think, I got, I got to know more about Susan, how do they find you? Well, very easily. Put my name into Google or Bing and you'll see more than you ever wanted, but I never list my weight because that would be private. But S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E dot com or HowToWorkAroom dot com. Come to my website. All my information's on there. But email. And if anyone listening has a burning question, don't get heartburn and stomach pains from it. Email me and we'll come up with a solution. Susan at S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E dot com. But if you really want to talk to me and you want me to talk to your people, try this one. This is old school. Get a paper and pencil, 415-461-3915. Because guess what? That little thing you have in your hand that looks like a computer, it actually has a phone app, and you can call me. God, we forget that the iPhone actually has the word phone in its name. Shocking. Uh, isn't that shocking? <laughs> and you know, entrepreneurs, here's what I'm going to say. While everyone is texting Pinging, linking in, status updates. If you want to be different and stand out from the crowd, pick up the phone. Well, that is the perfect note to leave everybody on for today. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in and listened to our conversation with Susan Roan. We're going to be back in a couple of days with a brand new episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, where we're going to interview another cool entrepreneur doing cool things. So thank you very much for tuning in. In the meantime, till we're back with another episode, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.